Everybody, welcome to. <laughs> oh God! Thank God it's the season finale of the Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the Black Tribble's weekly review of HBO's Lovecraft Country, their hit historical horror fantasy series. My name is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. Hello. And as always, I am joined by that lovely lady two steps <laughs> over there. That would be her. What's up, good people? It's your friendly neighborhood comic and coffee slinger, your girl, the Amalgam Tribble, a.k.a. Uncanny Tribble, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy Tribble. Show enough. Show enough. In Lovecraft Country one last time. <laughs> and joining her in hosting duties, we have... Hi, it's your favorite good ghoul gone bad, the horror tribbles, Mrs. Spooky Time, talking about Lovecraft. As we say goodbye to this lovely tale that has been full of emotions and quite a journey, to say the least. What a safe travel. (laughs) Thank you. And joining us from a phone call nearby, we have... You already know who it is, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Thursday Night! 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 Ah, it's a fucking delay. So what's going on? You already know what it is, Silver Nation. It's your boy. I'm always good at doing two things at once. If you don't ask me, just ask Phoenix Triple. God damn it. <laughs> just saying. So yes, multitasking. Eric is on tonight. Not the first time. All right, ladies and gentlemen. And, and we have joining. Hey, visitors. <laughs> what's up? Where y'all come from? I like when y'all just sneak in on the finale. <laughs> All right, give them more than they can handle. That's what I'm talking about. What up? And this wearing his sexy shirt. Come on, boy. want to take all the attention. If you didn't have the vertical lines over his head pointing down to the shirt, and then the shirt just popping. What up, Vince? How you doing? Well, with that, with that segue, hey, hey, hey. any shirt that I wear is by definition a sexy shirt. Thank you. <laughs> It is Vincent Williams all the way from the Michaud Mission joining us tonight for our review of the season finale of Lovecraft Country. How you doing, Vince? Oh, I'm chilling. Always good to be here amongst family and friends and friendly family. And also stepping uh, into the squared circle for uh, again here on our journey straight from the hallowed pages of the Philadelphia Inquirer, we have... Elizabeth Wellington. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, everybody. Also known as Third Eye Tribble. Hey. hey. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and hello to each and every one of you out there watching us streaming live on Facebook and on uh, YouTube. Um, thank you very much, each and every one of you. Um, K. Martin says that is a sexy shirt triple, a.k.a. Vince. <laughs> Uh, and Nerd Soul says that you got that smooth salt and pepper beard for the fans. Oh, Vince, my uh, goodness gracious. People, people are yes, appreciating you, Yes, yes, give you yes. A, are you ready for your close-up, my man? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you. <laughs> uh, before we get into our review, we, um, we've been asking for it, and we've got it. We've got a, some listener mail of oh. a sort uh, to share. Um, this is by way of YouTube from the comments from our show after it aired last last week. Our review of episode nine, which was Rewind 1921. Uh, Diesel Fit wrote, I feel like you guys undercut Tick's trauma mostly because it was done off screen and we only get references to it instead of seeing it play out like the regular characters. Just because we didn't see everything he went through in the war and childhood doesn't make it any less than the other characters. Any response? Oh, um, I think I'm trying. I mean, I'm trying to remember. Well, I think I think the I think the point we were making, if I'm not mistaken, was just that uh, he his stuff was less compelling. So not saying that he didn't go through stuff. No, I don't think we were necessarily trying to belittle it. But as far as like what you take interest in, it is not Tick's story. And I think that's true for for everyone. I mean, I'd be curious, like if the listener felt like he, they were more caught up in what was happening with Tick than everybody else. It's just like everybody else's stuff is like more interesting in fact. You know what I mean? But not trying mm. to belittle like the abuse and everything that he's gone through and going through a war. Like, no, but I, you know, not belittling that at all because I, we know that is traumatic. But again, it wasn't. And I feel like in our world, that was very commonplace. Whereas like other people's stuff just seemed like, now wait a minute. This girl mm -hmm. is a nine-tailed fox spirit, and she's just trying to be human. But to do that, she got to sleep with and kill a hundred men. Like, that's a lot versus, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a vet. Like, and again, because in, in our world, like, we, we understand vets. We know vets. They, we have vets in our family. We understand that. We understand, you know, having an abusive family situation and so, sadly, it just feels commonplace because that is the world we live in. We don't live mm -hmm. in nine-tailed spot, fox spirit. We don't live in, I got shot, and then I woke up, and now I'm running around, ghosts visiting me. We, we, we exercising other ghosts. Like, like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like everybody else's stuff is like, you know, on 10. No, I feel you. I feel you. Definitely. Um, what you laughing at now, Eric? No, because what I was going to say is that I feel like that Tick is a MacGuffin. So it's not that he's not as an integral part of the story, but because he's quote unquote that plot device, is is not. Well, I don't want to say he's less interesting, but like he's the most, he's the least useful individual. You know what I mean? So like that mm -hmm. being the case, that makes him you know less least interesting. 
Yeah, he's like he's the key. Like he opens, right. he's just he like opens there. doors. He's the right. ornament of everybody else's. He's a MacGuffin. Like he's what everybody else needs. Mm-hmm. But he's not important in itself outside of everybody wanting him. I felt mm. like that myself sometimes. But you know. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like he, you know, needs to be more sympathetic to the other traumas like i feel like he is constantly trying to like is caught up in his own trauma and does not take a minute to look at anybody else and be like oh i'm gonna acknowledge that you died and are back and now are carrying my child that i met in the future and then neglected to tell you uh all those things like i just feel like yeah totally he is definitely going through a lot um but it's it's hard to sympathize with him uh when he's not really putting in that effort that the other characters are um on screen or with like you know helping them but tick is the one that had to die and he went to the future to see it he knew he remember he didn't tell us but he knew he was dead so like to to carry around your death with you and know that you have to do it. I'm sorry, that's a little bit traumatic. Yeah, yeah. This episode, he 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 grew a bit on me, which is like it's kind of sad because it's the end. No, he definitely <laughs> did. He showed growth yeah. in very, you know, even his his apology to Jiha and and apologizing mm-hmm. for that and 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 being honest with her about their thing their thing was real right and and because of that now she's part of the family and i actually really like that i like that especially with her um um uma is that you said her her mother Uma. Um, yeah mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. passing she's really just this supernatural creature who was fighting to be human but now has no connections to humanity her best friend is murdered her mom is dead the man she loves rejected her and said you never mattered so now she's just out here so i loved not only his apology because he definitely owed her that but him bringing her into the fold especially because at at that point he knows he's not going to make it so he made her part of the family Mm -hmm. so that even when he's gone she's not alone and i thought that was really really important and a nice Nice. again kind of full circle as this uh episode is titled can i can i ask a question no go ahead just my question was with her do she never kills like that last person? Like she ha- she's up to ninety nine. So do we assume that she- yeah because yeah because I guess they came out. So she never she still she's, she's still stuck a, because a- she didn't kill him. I think right. Right. I think because it's like a loophole in that she did it. Can she just find somebody else? No, she hit her no? one hundred. So that would be one hundred one. Like she are it's like. She didn't get the soul. She didn't complete the act. So she is kind of stuck in this in between. Like she's, she's oh. a, a. No, I think I don't think she can ever have the one more. I think she's just stuck like that now. Well, I don't know because because she does when the when the man approaches her in that bar and she says, "Are you willing to die to fuck me?" It makes me think like she <laughs> like that like she can it'll still trigger. Like right. she'll have that one more. Yeah. I was watching it with my dad and he said Go ahead. Oh no, I was watching it with my dad. I was watching it with my dad and he said, Well, I guess no. He was like, No, I he, I do not want to fuck you. Um All right, now yeah. my question is, how did they just gloss over Tick bringing Gia into the fold? Because that was like a whole week worth of show right there. 
Wait like, a minute. Wait a minute. I, and that's a good question. We'll, we'll lead off with that one, Eric. So I don't want you to forget it. We're going to stick a pin in it. But we have one more comment. One more question. One more listener comment to, to get into and then to, before we get into our full review. And it is interesting, Ariel, that you asked about how to pronounce something because this comment was from uh, Benaga Laurel or Benaga Laurel, who said, I'm sorry, but I can't listen to a podcast that doesn't do basic research on how to say the actors' names. Y'all spent so much time around how to say Hippolyta or Hippolyta when you couldn't get Jonathan Majors or Anjanu Ellis right. I don't want to be thinking about Jonathan Long's skinny pale self and can't compare to the heat that Jonathan Majors brings. Uh, apparently we must have misspoke and said Jonathan Long at one time and not, not said Jonathan Majors. And I know there probably is a little bit of a question of back and forth of exactly how do you pronounce Anjanu's Ellis name? And I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, I definitely um, say, I say Anjanu, but it's one, again, one of those things I've never heard anybody say her name. I've only ever seen it written because she's an actress. So every time I see her, she's somebody else. So I, I always say on Janae because she was in uh, that um, Omar Epps uh, uh, LL Cool J movie where she was cute. And then she got like strung out at the end. And it was like, oh, no, like it was really sad. It was the one where the, uh, Omar Epps is the undercover cop. Oh, yeah. Oh. So she's been on my radar oh, since then. And then you just you don't see her as often as you'd like. And she was just on the Clark sisters. The Clark sisters. The, yeah, the Clark yeah, sisters, the Clark sisters. Uh, movie on Lifetime. Oh, I didn't she know played like, the mother. Like the gospel Clark sisters. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that was yeah. even a thing. Okay. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. <laughs> oh, okay. You haven't seen it. So anyway, um, but, and, 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 I'm pretty sure in when we when the Jonathan Majors thing got messed up, we did fix it. We did. There was a fix in between. We, we did. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of names that are getting thrown about, and the the core of this is really about the message and what we're getting from uh, the media. Not to say that people's names aren't important, but um, yeah, it's just like we get caught up so much in in the story and trying to get those ideas across and what came across to us and what was so important um, that yeah that you make mistakes that just happens <laughs> yeah. and and i uh, think and the other the other part about the hippolyta hippolyta it's like that's them. the show pronounces it wrong so i in the beginning i think we were trying to say it right but when you're watching the show and you keep hearing hippolyta and then after they have a whole episode of her naming herself and she names herself hippolyta it's like well now it seems disrespectful to call her hippolyta because <laughs> yeah. she has told us what she wants to be called and you gotta respect people's that's that's her name. So yeah, so then I think yeah. we just kind of lean into it. But in the beginning, especially, there's a lot of back and forth because the show mispronounces a name that as nerds and as yeah. women and we're char- people who like strong female characters, we know who like Hippolyta is. And it's like, uh, you know, that's our our nerd space. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kay Martin says that the movie was into yes, that was the uh, Omar mm-hmm. Epps and yes, LL Cool J movie. And Nerd Soul says, stop hating, Banaga. Uh, it's a fair mistake and not intentional. So there you go. And, and it was a fair mistake. It was not intentional. Uh, but with that, let's get into our review of the season finale of 
Lovecraft Country, episode 10, Full Circle, written by Misha Green, from a story by Misha Green and Yuma Ofordier, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced that name, uh, directed by Nelson McCormick. The season season finale of Lovecraft Country gave our heroes a win, but at what cost? What cost indeed? Uh, there are questions abound, and we're starting with the one that is that is uh, jumping off the lips of the Master Triple Emac. Go. Well, long story short, I am interested to know how did they just have that whole week worth of conversation hit the cutter room floor that Tick convinced Letty to let Gia join the family? Like, that's a lot of conversation. That was not like five minutes. Like, how did we gloss over that? She's just here helping us work it out. That seemed like a magic in itself. Well, I think... Yeah, go ahead. I go mean, ahead. Letty is a very spiritual person, right? Like, we see that in this episode where she, you know, brings him to get baptized, right? Um, and I think she is, like, comfortable and certain in Tick at this point. Um, and also understands that there's magic out there. And so I don't think it's so much of, like... Like, I don't think she... <laughs> yes, it is. No. Bullshit. That's an ex. That's my man. And I knock a bitch head off. No. Look out of here. No. There's whoa, no whoa, way Letty is that quick. Not me. That's Letty speaking, all right? Not me. That's Letty, all right? You're not... That my man that I'm pregnant by. I, and I'm extra emotional right now? No. Well, no. 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 So here's no. The thing. I'm not buying this just that quick. No, here's the thing. I'm so not. I think I think what that... That relationship of Tick bringing Jiha into the family um, to to be around Letty and this woman carrying her child, I think, relates back to what his mother tells him when he is in the ancestral plane about her love with George and Montrose. And she said, you know, when she says, like, I, you know, you think you have a choice and you don't, I had to pick, like, I had to pick one, but they were both a part of my soul. And she says, our love, like the love of all three of them, is what resulted in him. And so I think after having that experience and with Letty knowing that Tick is not coming out of this, and we all know that, and him probably sharing. I mean, they were both in the ancestral plane. So, again, we're at a point where yeah, she there's knew. no need to keep secrets. And he probably, t- you know, told had that conversation. And I think it's safe to assume that without having to see him say it, you know, repeat what his mother told him. That Letty would walk away like, yes, it's like the, the, there is magic in the world. And so we need everyone who loves you, who would protect your family to be together. So this idea that Jiha and Letty are going to like raise Tick's kid. I actually kind of like I heart that. It's like, what, you got yeah. you to gotta go see him, mother? You know, she, she bought the and, and like at the end, it's like Letty is a priestess. Like, so you got a priestess of magic and a non-tailed fox spirit. Like, you cool, kid. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, up, it's <laughs> only up for you. Yeah, also, it's very matriarchal, this episode. I also mm-hmm. thought it was mm-hmm. reflective of the conversation that Ruby and Letty had about the nature of family. And mm-hmm. you choose family, and, and family is who loves each other and who lifts each other up. So in my mind... The details that we didn't see, all of that, it was all framed within getting to the end where, as Ariel just said, this is somebody who is part of this love, so obviously your family. Right. 
Yeah, mom was preaching some polyamory. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> she's pulling out of this text. She's like, pulling out of the no. polyamorous textbook. She's like, this person gives me these things. This person gives me those things. I was like, all right. No, I love that. I was, like, I was like, this show is like pushing, you know, all of those boundaries, all of like the, the ways we box in how we relate to one another and our sexuality and how we express that and how we love and who we love. And I was, so when they got there, I was like, dad was like, they are really pushing. And it's like, again, and it's showing it not in this weird, like voyeuristic light of like, what you got to, you know I mean? But it was like this beautiful thing of like this, just um, encapsul encapsulating love that can't, be confined to just two people is bigger than that. Like, I don't know. I just, I thought there was something about it that was just really beautiful. Again, and then as we're talking about choosing the family and, you know, bringing people into the family, I just thought that was just a really great way to um, almost talk, talk about polyamory in, with, within the show. Marla Harris uh, wrote that Mama loved two men and Tick took that as the go signal. <laughs> Hashtag sister wives. Um, and Maurice Poplar says that Vince is trying to clean it up with them big old words. Uh, <laughs> Nerd Soul says... Uh, Hashtag freaky deaky with everybody. Freaky so, deaky with everybody. The people in the comments are having a good time. <laughs> yes. So keep it moving. Keep it going. We're never clear. I guess we're never even clear, too, on how Tick could be George's son. Right? Because remember Tick? Well, no, I think yeah, we're pretty clear. Well, no, cause I George was about was to very, say. We're, we're clear. Yeah, because his mom visits George in uh, in the, the, in the hallucinations in Artem. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear that they had a love. Like, he, she, he, like, admits, like, she is his love and that he ended up making this whole, you know, other life um, away from her. But, yeah, like, it, I, yeah, that was definitely. So are we a, supposed to assume that she never really slept with Montrose because Montrose was. No, I think no, she could no, sleep with, with many of them. Yeah. She had relations yeah, with all of I think them. So. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, and I think like what they went through, uh, those three are mm -hmm. gonna be really close to each other. Like there's like mm -hmm. trauma, you know, like sometimes there's just like no. that's the only person that's gonna understand you because they know literally exactly what that is. And so there's a connection that only those three people can feel. Um but yeah, you could definitely know, like I'm sure that's why he says, I think that you're George's son. It's not confirmed. Um, but I'm sure like you probably know because you do the math, right? You're like how long ago is nine months ago, you know, when we did this, like that actually just came up as a plot line in the haunting of Bly Manor. So yes. <laughs> it was like something I was thinking like, uh, this baby too early for, <laughs> for what, what you're thinking happens. <laughs> All right. Um, Man, there's there's just so much. I mean, I, I want to like spend a little bit time on the, uh, the ancestral plane that Hannah birthed. I th I just thought that was such a cool, like visual and just such a cool idea of like, again, because this family's connection to magic runs deep. And we learned specifically that their birthmark is a spell to hide them from, the, from others mm -hmm. that know magic. Um, so yeah. again, the fact that mm -hmm. Hannah was actually, she didn't just take the book and hide it under her bed. Like she was using it. She learned from it. Um, and is now like headed like the magical matriarch, you know, of this family. Um, I loved 
you know, again, so we get this um, almost circle chant of the ancestors coming to to exercise, you know, in a sense, this um, this crazy man. And can we just talk about how Titus Braithwaite came in hot? He's, I said, you throwing around the N-word real quick. It's like, MF, all these are your descendants. Like, and again, so like, like, the, like again, this yeah. American legacy where it's like this man who like, man, yeah, I, you wench, I did more, for, you had more than any nigga ever had. It's like, well, uh, sir, well, it's like, first of all, don't call me that when you was in my face I wasn't in your face you were in my face and then you saying that to like a circle of women that are your descendants and the fact that he manages to get himself out of the circle to warn Christina which I also think is funny because again they, they didn't bang with women like that but at the end of the day he mm -hmm. didn't want it he didn't want black people to have control of it over right. it and I, I was just like that's wild like like again and even to like look you, you would think like if you were a ghost and got brought back and, and got to see the people that came from you, like what, like how overwhelmed with like love and joy, like something you couldn't even describe. And he comes back and all he sees is like a room full of N words. Like it's like, come on, like, dude. Well, that like brings us back to episode one when William was like showing him around and he was like, he was very nice. Like, you know, he was very gracious to those who worked for him and everyone was like, okay, yeah, we know what that means. Like, it, it and like, also, you, why are we here? Like, you know why we're here. Um, and that's just kind of like what it, it, it made me think of was just like, this is like evidence of what happened back then. And, and it, it also dispels like if we were feeling, you know, like, distracted by what the reality uh, of who Titus Braithwaite was for any reason like we immediately like saw him for who he was because he just came like you said came in hot came in was hot. like full himself and so it was like okay that's what she had to deal with every day this puts even more into perspective like uh like it, it, it also kind of helps you like you feel um like more satisfied with the ending as well after knowing like this is the the person who started all this but it's the, it's that sense of entitlement that uh, white people have. Well, well, these people in the show. Let's put it, keep it to the, keep it in the show. That these people in the show had the white people in the show have that is so evident everywhere in the show. Like from him coming in hot, to just let you know that that stuff is not surface level. That is down in his soul. His mm. ghost came back. Racist and spooking this. <laughs> that's you know what I mean? That's my book. Is, is you using my it? magic? What's the matter with you? I ain't tell you, know you do mean? that. For real. But but and and Marla Harris actually like hit to exactly where uh, I, I'm going because she, uh, excuse me, I hit them wrong. One. Says colonizers going to colonize because that was evident in that family early on in the show when Christina comes right. walking into that joint don't have no care about anybody in there i understand y'all have the book yeah. yeah give me the yeah. book well no you're going to use it to kill tick and i he has to die so that my spell can come through i don't know how much more I can say that so that y'all can understand it. Can I have the book, please? I mean, like, actually, you that's not the made. She said, "Give me the book, and you'll never see me again." You don't think that might have been worth it? She said, "Give she me the said book, I'd find a and you'll way. never see me again." 
That's what she said. But it's not her book. You don't think it was worth it? it t- tell her. It ain't my book. She said the book. Right. And you'll never see me again. Because with the tools I have now, the best way I can complete my spell, I need all ticks blood. If I have the whole book, I'll figure out another way. And you'll never see me again until I'm president of the planet. But I'll just go away if you give me the book. So that's what she said. Because later she got the book and still didn't call it off. So mm. yeah, well, because they didn't make the deal at that point. Yeah, but then they had they did not only did they didn't they not make the deal, but they tried to double cross her. Right. They did, they but did at the same time, her. if all you wanted was the book and you really didn't want to harm your cousin any harm, you could have took the book, said it's cool, I'm good, and bounced. Worst case scenario, come back next year on the next Altano Equinox and do this. But you got a whole nother year to look at the book and figure out another plan. She ain't do that. She had the book and still went through with plan A. You see what I'm saying? Well, I think also it had to do with because they were related, it was like he could have probably had the, like they had, there was something about the blood of Tick and the blood of somebody that they, they needed who was related to them. And I think she was probably going to, it was, it, it, it kind of had to be this thing where it was either going to be her or him. Mm-hmm. Right. And because white folks, and you know, this is something we could just like assume because white folks are always about world domination. It was going to be her. And I don't even think it would have occurred to take, I mean, maybe after some time, but it probably wouldn't have even occurred to take, like that said, I have to, I want to use this book for world domination. Like I think, I think the black people were like, we want to use magic and we want to use magic for the good of who we are. And that was another thing they kept talking about. It's not the magic that's bad. It's the hands that the right, magic the is in. And the, and the intent. And I think there was, I don't think Misha Green was splitting hairs at all when she was saying that um, white folks probably use magic for evil. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and that we... Have to, we have to use magic to uplift the race and uplift ourselves. But the bigger question is, and I don't know if you thought about that, and like there's no magic in the way that they did it. There's no magic now. White people can't get magic anymore. Yeah, they're bound. Yeah, yeah. they're bound. And what? Yeah, so so the bound. People. So what was? And maybe you have to. You you guys are more comic booky magic-y than me. But I'm like, okay. So did that bound? Like, what, so what was so that binding about? is just that means- you're preventing somebody to had to be able to do a certain thing. So they they bound her from magic mm-hmm. so she can't access it. Um, and I think I mean I think so so one thing and and because we know that Hannah's the one who creates the spell that takes magic from white people when. Uh, Titus Braithwaite is first brought into the circle and then they also bring Hannah in right after and when he turns around and sees her and, and, and is talking about, oh, they have the book, uh, Hannah says to him, what's stolen ain't yours. So again, this idea right. that this magic that they are accessing was never theirs, it's in a language they cannot speak. I mean, arguably, it, it probably belonged to yeah. Yahima's people. And because it's in a language you didn't speak, it is not yours, but like everything, you decided you wanted it and you took it, and now how dare anyone else think that they can have access to this thing? So it, it's even the, the binding makes it seem like to me somehow they, again, it's not there so they can be separated from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was also that it was more than just like it, it was very much about their family, but it was more than their family. Like when, um, you know, uh, Montrose is like, we there's got to be another way. We have to do something else. And Tick is just like, we did not do all of this. We have not been through all of this. I did not go to that ancestral plane and, and see my ancestors and hear from them for us to kind of roll over or find a different or to just go into hiding like that's not what this is about and so with you know christina offering them like hey i'll find a different way i'll leave you all alone that's not what it's about anymore like they've already accepted that tick has got to go or that this is what they've already have this plan because the bigger picture was we're gonna take this power out of the wrong hands that it never belonged in in the first place and we have accepted that we have to make that sacrifice. So given that book to Christina means that white people still get power and she still got power and she gets what she wants. Like we don't want her to get what she wants. Right. <laughs> like, And we understand that it's going to take some hurt to get there. And we've already hurt a lot, but the, the end is that they can't do that to anybody else. Like no one else will get hurt by them. Right. Yeah. It, um, I don't know. So, so I'm to, keep us moving forward because it's like so much to talk about (laughs) and like so to move to kind of transition from like the ancestral plane to d real quick and how again it's the ancestors that heal d and and Mm -hmm. and bring her back to life but then we have the side effect of her arm is actually dead like you know you think like oh she's going to be made whole everything is going to be right with her again and then we still see even after being healed from the curse she still has this after effect um, and so she, as she's, and is that because that, that is that because that's where the girls kind of yeah, like touched? That's her, where right? the girls scratched right. her, yeah. right? And that was like the entry point. And so I, right. you know, so we're dealing with her, you know, her depression of, you know, her arm, and that was her drawing arm. So now there's something she can't do. Um, you know, angry at her mom and and all that, and then also dealing with the death of Bobo. Like when we see her, she's scratching out. The, the newspaper article about their the the right. not guilty Acquittal. verdict for his murderers, yeah. you know, and so just to think of the mindset this little girl is in, and then you give her a robotic arm. So I have two notes for D. I said I'm getting Misty Night vibes, and then I was getting like Moon Girl Devil Dinosaur vibes at the end, especially because mm-hmm. she's in front. <laughs> the shagath. Yeah, she's in the full moon. The the Shagath is like roaring. She's standing there with her metal arm. I said, what just I said, what just happened? We went somewhere else. Which I thought yeah, was so season cool. two. <laughs> <laughs> so Vince, as the comic book nerd, what, what were your thoughts on Dee's progression? I, I loved it. I, I kind of was hoping that she'd end up with the robot arm because now, you know, obviously she's the one that pushed Tick back through the portal when yeah, he went in right. the future. So this is more of the, the cyclical nature of a family. And mm-hmm. and how you you know and and it was it was so wonderful how um Hippolyta okay. said that we think of time this way, but time is actually that way. So mm-hmm. I love the fulfillment of that. I also love the fact you know talking about generational attributes. You you just said it. Um, you, you know the way that Christina walks in, much like her ancestor, like she owns the place, and it's up to Dee to break the cycle where Dee says you'll never learn and she does what letty doesn't do and she kills Mm -hmm. her so even that you you know it seems like d is the future like d is sort of you know as much as we're concentrating on tick's unborn son 
D is over making her own path that also represents the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and the other thing that I caught, there's two things Two things that I caught. One, as comic book nerd uh, Vincent Ariane, I'm sure you caught, caught on this, when D is reading the comic book that her mother gave her, and she said, oh, you don't know how to draw. And she says that an artist, Afua, yes! uh, taught uh-huh. me. Yes, yeah. shout out. Me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Award-winning comic book artist. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, Afua, mm-hmm. I see you got the thing. So, um, so that was one. And then um, two, the one thing that I, the vibe that I was getting off of D was that, yeah, she is the future. And yeah, as, um, and I want to make sure that I, I credit the right person because the, the people in the, the chats is going off the chain saying, you know, K. Martin says, uh, but can we talk about D, a.k.a. no fucks given. <laughs> um, uh, D is definitely... I felt D was, she definitely had it in for Christina, but I thought that part of her at the end was a little bit of a dig at the adults as well. Because once again, she was left to our own devices in the car and mm-hmm. only but for the Shagaf coming and saving her. Now, we learned through Tick's vision that Tick had already kind of like introduced those two. Um, I mean, but I, that think, is another... I think he, because he's, he know he's not coming back. He gave yeah, the Shaga. Right. He, he gave, he gave the Shaga no, tour. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand that. But, but you, one, you learn that through the vision and we can speak about, you know, uh, some of the shortcomings of the, of the episode in that regards uh, a little mm-hmm. bit later on. But I thought that, you know, the Shaga coming to rescue her, her having to do what they couldn't do, probably f- feeling again maybe a little like oh you know this was your way of saving me leaving me out here in the car i think she's all like to quote k martin she has no fucks given for anybody right Mm. like even the people like she probably got love for her mom because her mom gave her that badass arm and she gonna work some magic with that arm trust but everybody else oh she she got no fucks to give for them yeah i was like i was I had that same feeling when when I saw the the adults walking with Tick, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it's like where where's D? Where's, where's this? D? And then like then go into D, and she's like have it because like I felt like it was kind of odd to leave us on that because um, I didn't feel empowered. It made me sad to 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 see her kind of uh, con- commit murder, right? Like to me, I was just like her youth is like officially dead right like she already was kind of there um but i i i agreed where i was just like where where are they going and they're just leaving her like they completely have like neglected her she's out here on her own uh committing murder (laughs) like doing all this stuff um but i was that murder or was that mercy (laughs) yeah it was it was kind of nice because there would have been she would have been suffering so i think she kind of i think she helped her not suffer she helped she, <laughs> she did not suffer from it. It was it was kind of funny watching it because I've been watching a lot of the boys season two. So the throat like pull mm. crush. I mm-hmm. was like I was unaffected by it because like, now I'm just like, I yeah. was like oh oh wait no this is a different show like this doesn't happen every episode. Uh, <laughs> there's people just crushing people's throats. Um, but yeah, I did I did like. And I just like felt really strongly for her kind of calling out Hippolyta. Um, oh yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I also like like Hippolyta being honest. Like yeah, 
you know, because cause they're human, right? And I think that's what she was trying to say. Like, eventually I came back and I did, I wasn't here and I'm sorry that I wasn't here. Um, but like she is human and she had to do that. She had to go through that. And there was this cost in that, you know, D has every right to be upset about it. Um, yeah. And I appreciate that. But still being like, you can be upset about it. You can like have that. But we have to keep going. Right. Like we have to like you. St- I'm still your mom. I saw like I'm going to help you. I'm going to do whatever I can. We are still a team. Uh, it's just like life kind of messed us up here because she like left her alone for a lot more than just like you know the police officer almost killed her um but also like her best friend was murdered like there's a there's so much that she was left alone with um and and i did enjoy that moment between them yeah right Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I, I just it just dawned on me that there was in much the same way that uh, Hippolyta is consoling D while apologizing to her, but also t- telling her that she recognizes that she's mad and it's very comfortable to live in this mad space. But this, too, shall pass and you have to work your way past pass through it and I'm going to help you was much the same way that Tick, when he finally does apologize to Jiha, is also has a teaching moment for her because it's her first time experiencing grief yeah. and her mm-hmm. and him letting her know that, you know, that's just grief. That's not the end of everything. You will get to the other side. And if you come with me, because now you are with us, you will learn that other side, um, which is kind of like, you know, on display in the car ride as they all joyfully sing, you know, sing a song on in the car. Um, and it's a beautiful moment until you get to the end and you find out one of these things is not right. like the other. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You didn't peep that until the end? I, 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 had, I had a guess of it, but I, I didn't realized peep it. it was wrong when she got in the car. There was, she was really? not part of the plan. She's not on Team Scooby Snack. Why is she coming with us? She's not. She shouldn't have a role to play. She shouldn't be coming. As soon as I saw her in the car, I'm like, no, that's off. You with Christina. Mm. You should be in the house waiting for Christina to come back or something. You shouldn't be riding here now. This is off. That's when I knew it was wrong. When she got, when she was in the car. That's when I knew that was wrong. What did we think about Ruby at the end, though? I'm glad we segued to this because, like, the you know, Ruby's character, there's so many mixed feelings mm-hmm. about that. And so do you think that she went off? Like, do you think that she went out, like, for her people at the end? Do you think that she was just kind of sloppy? Because a part of me is like, Ruby was kind of sloppy. Like, well, how did... Well, what, do you, what do you think? I, I don't know. What do you think? And it, well, oh. I think... Oh, good. Me? You. You, Elizabeth. I'm pointing at oh. you. you. Can't see. I'm pointing at you. <laughs> Sorry. Very much. I felt um, I, I that that was one of the storylines that could have been tied up a little better. Mm. Um, I thought that it was. I mean, I think at the end, and we talked about the shortcomings. I mean, the episode before was so awesome. Like the episode when they went back to um. Um, Tulsa. Tulsa. I thought that was really good and really well thought out and it was like everything connected. This episode to me felt really rushed mm. and it felt that I missed, like I felt like I was missing stuff. Like, you know, even when Vincent said like Tick really pushed her and I'm like, oh snap, I gotta go back and see that. Like I, <laughs> you know, 
you know, the, um, D pushed like you saw her later in the, the push the arm back. And I think the story, I think the storyline with um, with Ruby was another one of those rushed ones that didn't quite. Ruby to me through the whole season didn't really track right. Like she, her her character was really interesting. You saw her be. I mean, I got the motivation for her to become white, but there was there was there was always an undercurrent. I guess it was an undercurrent of nastiness. And, like, I don't think that, that at the end she would have wrapped it up that fast. Okay, I'm going to help my sister now. Like, it just didn't. And then end up getting killed by Christina. And then she still kind of loved her. Like, it just didn't. I don't know about you, but it just didn't track right for me. So I feel, I feel like it's hard to answer because I felt like that was a character and a relationship that I thought could have been developed more. Um, and it could have been more interesting, but I felt kind of like they killed her because they needed to wrap up the story. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know what I mean? They needed, we needed, we needed to get Christina in that car and for some, something else to pop off. And I felt like her, her, um, evolution to her, the end of her character just didn't, it didn't well, do anything I, I think... I, I didn't really, I didn't love how they handled the Ruby thing either. Because, again, I think she's a character that is so interesting. So the fact that her storyline feels so rushed. But I think with Christina murdering Ruby, I think, again, that's just like what we're seeing is Christina's drive to just get to her goal and she'll run over whoever she cares. I mean, whoever she has to do, to do it, even the people she cares about. Because even when she says, like, you know, if it doesn't work, I've, I've killed the last of my family for nothing. When she gets thrown from the car, like her and Ruby meet eyes and she is genuinely concerned for Ruby's safety and she rushes over, Ruby, are you okay? They share a kiss, you know, for the first time as they are, like as their true selves. So I do think there, I do think there was something there, but Christina, it was so um, like single-minded in her purpose. It's like, yeah, I do love you, but that is not even enough to stop me from from pursuing what I want to pursue into to achieving my goal. Um, so that like that's what I saw there, the way that all played out. But again, I do think, you know, I would have appreciated more screen time for Ruby as we're, you know, essentially we've seen the end. You know, that's the end of her. Um, you know, it, it seems right. And I just I, I feel say, like she, or is it or is it? But I still feel like even if you wanted to make me think it, then you should have given her more time because she deserved that. But one of the things you just said, which is really interesting, is this the quintessential relationship between black women and white women? And will a black w- white woman ultimately stab you in the back to get what historically? You want? Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, historically. Yes. And is, did Misha Green, you know, and in explaining that, did did that Misha Green, you know, I think the the relate the love relationship they had or didn't have access to me. I don't really think that she loved her. I think that she was still kind of using her through the whole thing. And, she, and, 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 and because she, um, Ruby is the character that has so much self-hate, she well, couldn't really see it. And, I, and I guess that's kind of well, what I you would brought say, up. Letty or well, both. I mean, I, I mean, I think both of them. I mean, when Ruby makes that point, she's not wrong. But in the case of Christina, I guess I don't have a high bar for her to know how to love because she is from a loveless family. Like, you know what I mean? Her father didn't love her. Her, you know, her father used her when it was convenient for him and then was dismissive of her. So honestly, I think she loved Ruby as best she could. Now, 
did Ruby deserve more? Absolutely. But I think, I, again, I, I feel like I can't judge Christina by normal human standards because she, that's not where she operates. So I think for, for who she yeah. is, she did actually love Ruby, but that was never going to be the thing that would make her do the right thing. Uh, Angel and Robinson, even, uh, real quick, Eric, Eric, Angel Robinson asked a question. What was the other stuff that Letty said Ruby needed to know at the cemetery? The cemetery. It was that they were going to take the power yeah. from white people. Yeah, that's that it's bigger than us was what it like. That's what it is. It's I, I understand that you don't love tick. You don't love what's going on with me. Uh, and yeah, I'm crap. But our ancestors said <laughs> we got to take the power from them. And you can admit that they're the enemy, uh, at least has m been that for us. So I think that was what she said. And I think it, I think uh, Christina putting uh, Ruby in the, the coma or death state, to, um, depending on if she was planning to use Ruby again later, um, was was to sh show viewers um, that she's been like that she has not been our friend this whole time like if you were illusions for even a moment that their relationship was authentic and all the especially all the while with the characters continually being like ruby can do it ruby can get this because ruby's got a handle on christina like all the care like it was to show them like no you absolutely do not because christina is the enemy and sh there's nothing friendly about her well i'm not saying she's not the enemy but i'm not I also don't agree that she didn't genuinely care about Ruby because she kept her wrote her word to Ruby in the end and it was her undoing because she promised not to hurt Letty and after she threw her out the roof, she gave her the mark of Cain back, which brought Letty back, which ended up being her undoing. I, don't, I so thought she, she gave herself actually, the mark. No, she gave it to Letty. You see Letty wake No, 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 up. I think Letty gave it to herself. No, I don't... Oh, like, once she had the book? No, I don't think so, because when she wakes up, you she looks... Ru Ruby well, she looks surprised. I was actually... So it was either one of two things. I didn't know if, you know, uh, again... We see slowly but surely that Letty becomes more spiritual as the episode goes mm -hmm. on. And so it culminates with with her getting baptized and Tick getting baptized and her just saying how God is in all of us. So I almost, I was like, I didn't know if this was like God's work, like this spell needed to be cast. And so God gave her the mark or there is a scene in the flashback where it looks like Ruby might be chanting. So I was wondering that Ruby... Yeah, did window. Ruby give her the mark just in case? She did, after she threw her. You know, or, no, 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 no. No, when, when Ruby what, is still in Christina's you house, Christine? and I think maybe they have their exchange, almost like Ruby put it on Letty to protect her. No, Ruby doesn't know how to do that. Christina did it as Ruby as after Ruby. she threw her out in, the window. On, in the tower. Yeah. yeah. From the, the window chanting. that she threw her from. I missed, That's okay, I'll have to go back. Flashback. I missed that, too. In the well, that gets, yeah. It was in the... Like, See that gets to back. one of to to my big my big issue with this two I had two big issues with this episode I wanted to love mm -hmm. it I wanted the show to really stick the landing mm -hmm. and at the end of the day I don't think it stuck the landing it was good yeah. and it has a lot of good parts but it doesn't stick the landing and one the, one which is just a production thing is that for the first time and I know it's not the first time in the show but for the first time in the show. I really felt like they were on a soundstage at the end. It was, I just, there was something mm -hmm. about the, the set decoration of that final scene that felt very, very 
stagey, almost like from a Hammer uh, 1960s horror film for me, um, which if they were going for that, I look, was about to say, do you think that was deliberate? It. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, but see, see, mm-hmm. you saw so the same thing, and I, I want to give them the pass that you know because they're bringing in so many, you know, you know, uh, touchstones of different um, points of fantasy and horror mm-hmm. uh, into this series. I want to give them the nod for doing that at the end, but I also the the cynical part of me is like. Eh, I don't know if I want to give them that much credit. It just looked kind of stagey to me. Um, but then the biggest grievance to me is when Jiha does connect Tick and Christina to, you know, so that, you know, we can have the, the big finale. Um, then you get the vision and then you get in, like you just said, Gabe, super fast cuts that I don't even think the flash could have picked up, you know, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of, all of these little plot holes. You thought these were plot holes. No, we were saving them for here, right here, baby, right here. Pick them up, pick it up. Ruby right there at the tower. There you go. You know, uh, 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 D she's got the shotgun. You see it. You, you're with me. Let's keep it moving. Keep it moving. It's got so much yeah, of it packed in like almost two episodes of mm-hmm. shit into like about five seconds of, of a flashback, and I'm like, yo, that's 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 a little weak. That's a little weak. They should have did like the heist movie, where at the end, it, mm-hmm. like they play like the music, and then we see what really happened. Right, right. It's like them sneaking over here, and then they, do, like, you know, what you thought happened, like cl- or clue. We say, psych. This, <laughs> this is what it really is. I get the sense that the end of the show, we've gotten to what Misha Green really wants to work with. Like, like I think, in, and we talked about this when I was when when I was here before. How it pulls this, you know. I think the show has pulled this great bait and switch throughout. Where when you look at the advertising and you look at the posters early on, it's like, oh well, you know, Letty is the star and it's Journey Smollett, and she, you know, she looks this way and she's the main character, and Jonathan Majors is the main character, and then we talked about how Ruby just sort of comes and and blossoms and and um Hippolyta blossoms and mm-hmm. by the end you get Jonathan Majors tick off of off the stage and you have this wonderful group of marginalized people who are now telling their own story you have all of these women Montrose is a gay black man is set up for um you, you know he he's he's trying to be better if you will <laughs> And I think a lot of that speaks to what, what, you know, you said it earlier, Eric, that in a lot of ways, Tick was like a plot device. Mm-hmm. I just got the sense this is not this is the story that Misha Green wants to tell now. And she had to go through all this other stuff to get to it. And now we're here. Mm-hmm. So. Well, is, is, is Tick the idea of Tick? Well, I don't know. Is it kind of like the idea of Tick that he's like the pathology? Like he's the one that holds everybody together, but mm. he's the one that's most problematic. Like, and what does that say about, I mean, you know, t- try, as I try to be team black men, what does that say about the straight black man? You know, like he's just kind of there to, he's, he can be a hindrance and then he's, and then the rest of these people can walk off into the sunset, you know, because the relationship that he had with Jihad and, then, you know, his being not forthcoming and, 
you know, his relationship with Montrose and his violence that he had to deal with. And then, you know, apologizing and bringing people into the fold. And I wonder if I don't I don't I don't know if that's the story Misha Green was completely telling. But I mean, I get what you're saying. Well, I mean, the other straight black man in the story was George. And as much as I love Courtney B. Vance and as much as I love George, he died. He died. But what Hippolyta in that episode, I am says to him in many ways you held me back mm. so mm-hmm. you know it's, mm-hmm. it's only two straight black men in it and both of them have this in common mm-hmm. oh, and 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 Tick's, and not Tick's father Montrose's father who was so violent in the episode when they went back in time yeah like you saw what they were kind of running right. from so I don't know that's it's, it's very interesting a nerd soul says hold up uh are we trying to say that Tick isn't marginalized well you know it's it's a hierarchy yeah and i think straight black men (laughs) when we're talking Uh, about this group of people i feel you on that i thought at the end of the day i think i I even mentioned this to my lady that i thought that they should have taken a page out of the game of thrones book and should have just said what's an hour and then just continued this long enough to get everything into the show. I mean, if you weren't mm-hmm. going to do 13 episodes and, and I saw um, the blurred girl actually said that she thought this maybe could have been 13 episodes. If you weren't going to do that and I don't necessarily think it had to be that long, but I think that this last episode could have gone like an hour, 15 hour, 20. Sure. And just to like, really like even like, Ruby, you know, even if you, because really the last scene you see of the true Ruby is those two kissing. And even if you just have a scene, uh, just a cut to scene of Christina looking at Ruby in bed or, or watching Ruby walk out the room and you just see uh, Christina's face. That's all you need to, to do to set up the rest. You know what I mean? This is, it's, it's such easy fixes that could have happened to just flesh the story out a little bit more. And I think make it a little bit more satisfying, at least for me. And at least like, what do you from mean? what I'm looking at, because like I just set it up in what way? I think I, like, like I just said, if you had something like they kiss, you have a couple of other scenes happening in what other places or whatever. Um, it, it doesn't even have to be a couple, just one other scene. Cause it's that same night. And then you see maybe, Ruby gets up and walks out the room and all you just see is Christina just kind of like turn and look at her. That's all you need. If the next moment you see is Ruby coming with the blood, then does it maybe, does it maybe telegraph that that's not, that's not Ruby? Maybe it does, but I I think it, it, not necessarily so. Who's to say that everybody's going to pick up on that? Um, But it's enough that when the switch comes that it I don't I, I don't know it could maybe maybe that one was played out well so I'm not going to point to that but like the whole thing with this it, it just needs more room Eric that's all the show no, no, needs no, no, you want a more girl girl all right call it what it is Lane you needed more girl on girl action just call it what it is that's what you wanted to see right Lane that's, you wanted no, more Oreo no. cookies more black on white and white on black that's no. you, you want to more mix in this world and, and all that kind of stuff. You no. didn't even no, acknowledge the fact 
that this was the first time Christina could kiss Ruby as Christina because every other time she touched her as William. This is the first time you accept me as me and if I can touch you as myself. You don't even fucking see that and how that is a connection in the relationship and deeper now because you don't have to be William anymore. I can accept you. They ask the question, hey, have you ever, oh, with another girl? No. And then they, they talk about that. So, yes, they're getting deeper and making this connection. But you don't see these things. You just want more girls kissing. But it's okay, Lynn, whatever. I heard in the comments you could be a little nitpicky. It's whatever. No, I think she was kind of, but wasn't she kind of setting her up then? Like, shouldn't we assume that she was kind of setting her up to get the potion? Like, so yeah. was she really being authentic? She was just, you know, was Ruby being she, was she trying to get Christina? what she wanted. Ruby, Ruby was just trying to get what she wanted. Yeah, kind of. I, I like, think, and that's what I think was the reveal for Christina. I think Christina knew it was up because mm-hmm. Ruby kissed her as Christina. Mm-hmm. I think that was her being like, something is up here. Like, because we're at the like, she's not an idiot. She knows we're at we're up against the wall, and that your family has been trying to you know take you away from me this whole time i think that kiss was a reveal to christina that ruby had finally um given up on her that was how i took it when it because when it was happened i was like can you plug it in like this is a big thing like this is crossing a lot of lines here that i was just like for ruby yeah for ruby that i was like i don't think she was there and i don't think she ever was gonna be really there um and so i think it was like that that to me was like a sign that there was going to be a turn, that she was go- she was on the side of Letty. Okay. Hmm. I see a conversation jumping off in the comments, and I want to uh, get your reads on. Um, I'll start with you, um, Vince, and, and go over to Elizabeth. People are are stating uh, Maurice Popular posited in the comments that I fully expect meet me and day. De- Daegu, 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 and mm-hmm. rewind uh, 2021. And I think he meant Whoa. 1921 to be mm-hmm. nominated for uh, the Emmy Awards. And someone actually also uh, showed love for uh, Hippolyta's episode "I Am" mm-hmm. as well. I was curious. Um, I'm sure they're going to put an episode uh, of this episode up for the Emmy Award, try to follow in the footsteps of Watchmen. Um, so it, if so, is there an episode that you would see uh, worthy of Emmy contention? Vince. I didn't hear you. Say, Did you say me? Yes, you, Vincent. <laughs> I'm breaking up. Um, I, I'm going to go with I Am. I'm going to go with I Am. Anjanu Ellis is 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 transcendent in that episode. It's actually my favorite episode of the season. Mm. Very good one. What about you, Elizabeth? I have to go with Rewind, um, 1921. Um, I thought that was such a good episode, and I think my favorite part of the episode was when Tick... One of the strongest things about the show is the way that they use time and space how people go in and out of time and show up. And the fact that when Tick said that I was the, like they tell this story all the time, but he was the one that came in with the bas- with the baseball bat mm-hmm. to actually save his his mom. I mean, his, 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 his parents, like, so he could be born, right? So I think it was, to me, that was 
and and all of the um the pathological and where it kind of started um for them I, I thought that was a really strong episode and I, I think I watched it three times that was like the best episode and the clothes were great and the sneakers were great and you know the the, the flapper looks were great and the marcells were great and then and then the the best part was about the grandmother who um was <clears throat> you could see that she was like her she had her whole turn of the century 1800 kind of like i don't know if you watched um um was, was a show on pbs downtown Abbey. um downtown Abbey. Yes. so you saw the old so she was rocking the older, the, the grandmama look, because that's what she would have been wearing from the 1800s. Like, I thought the, 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 and the fashion, I, you know, just from my background, I think the costumes in this, I think the costume designer should be nominated for an Emmy because the clothes were on point. The whole, not just six tight shirts, like the whole thing. All the clothes were like fantastic. So mm-hmm. I think all of Ruby's yeah. wardrobe. <laughs> that sparkly Ruby dress. was plus size and Ruby was Killing it. Ruby's outfits were dope. Ruby had those red shorts. Oh Lord, don't get Len started. Like, don't get Len started on the red shorts. Yeah. Ruby's red shorts. <laughs> I was like, girl, I said, and, and she was just, and she was so powerful. That's why her ending to me just really made me angry because I think her, she was such a powerful character mm-hmm. for what she did for black women and plus size black women, and this, this ingenue at least was the same. Like her blue hair. Like, how do you like that? The way they use. The way they had her daughter draw, and we didn't even get to talk about D and her whole power of seeing into the future and how she used art to do that, and her blood, her mother's blue hair, and all this other stuff. So I, yeah, to answer your question, I think rewind nineteen twenty one. I think it should be costume design, and I'm gonna stop talking now because that's what I thought. <laughs> what about the rest of you? I'll go over to uh, Eric and work our way up. Um, I agree with their uh, their answers. Um, I, I can't speak it any better than they did. So I like those two episodes, and um, I don't know, maybe episode one, too, because it's just kind of introduced, it just throws mm-hmm. you in there, you know what I mean? And then you just kind of figure it out, and then it goes from there. But um, mm-hmm. episode one, you know, that's a good one, the introduction. Got to start at the beginning. We never found out who that black Shagath was, though, did we? Or did I miss that? I think it's just well, that's Shagath. Tick I don't Shagath. think it's a person. Yeah. It was just Ticks? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But he got, and he got the Shagath from right. the spell. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm next. So I, I mean, so I think what's likely to be nominated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that is that the only episode that legitimately scared me. You know what I mean? So even even the even yeah. the episode where there's ghosts running around creeping up on Letty, it was like, oh man, oh there's a ghost right there. But but I I went to bed okay after I watched Jigaboba with those like dancing around and 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 a I, I appreciate the dancing. Um, one of one of the young women I actually follow on Instagram um, and have for years, and so I, as a dancer I appreciate the dancing. But then as like a, a somebody who likes to be scared, that is the only episode that scared me. I had to watch something else because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to bed with the, them doing all this in my memory. <laughs> no, you know, like even you see somebody and they just turn upside down smiling. No. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like, like I gotta kill you now. Like you can't just come at me like that. <laughs> like you know what I mean? You don't bend, do a back bend on me. I don't, I don't like that. Like so, so that it just on based on uh, the fact that it, it really did like bring up some fears. I, I would like to like not let that get shuffled um, 
shuffled away or shuffled, you know, behind other episodes. I'm I'm literally not allowed to reference that house. I mean, that episode around my lady anymore. Like it, it scared the hell out of her. She uh, um, had a hard time getting over it. And then I think it was because of watching our review of it. She learned that the two characters had names and she was like, Oh, now they got names. That's power. Oh no, no, no. No, it's like, don't no, say their no. names. Fuck your show, Len. Fuck don't your show. Topsy-bopsy. Topsy-bopsy. Yeah, no, I agree um, with with all these. Yeah, I was also thinking, Ariel, that um, Jigabobo is, to me, one of the really strong episodes. Because I also think um, it really encapsulated what this show was trying to be, right? It's a horror but it's also fantasy, but it's also historic. It's like it blended all of those things in, like as far as like the epitome of what the, the whole show was, like it involving um, Emmett Till and then on top of that having D, um, you know, endure that trauma as someone who was like an outsider to all of this, this the whole time. And it was like, like you said, honest, the most terrifying, like I think out of all of the episodes. Um, and then of course, rewind 1921. Um, mostly because I just think, uh, Montrose, like there's so many scenes. There's so many just like quotes from him that really just are powerful or even just like saying the names. Right. And, And that's another blend of like, this is reality. These are real names, right? Like these are not just like we're making up fiction and we're having fun. Like we are like bleeding into our, our history. So it it also like, you know, really brings home this idea of like, there's multiple dimensions and um, they're in a, uh, like a parallel, you know, neighboring dimension that has similarities to us, except like they have magic and we don't Um, (laughs) those kinds of things. And I just feel like those two episodes really like, show that i think uh the daiku the korean one is fun um and i i think for set design and like you know the judy garland and all that but i think it it, it was a moment of t- taking a step away from the, um, the story and what we really w- were supposed to get from this program um and i feel like it could have been something that was weaved in other stories the way everyone else was uh, so right. i'm just like as much as I love spending any time cinematically in Korea, I no. <laughs> it's like I, I think those other two were way stronger. I think I think uh, you're all right. I think Rewind 1921 is like the running away the Emmy nomination for like a best you know uh, best uh, series or limited series, however it gets um, categorized when it comes that time. Um, but speaking to what uh, Elizabeth mentioned as far as like the set design and costuming another episode that i will put in the running with that is strange case which is the episode of ruby first taking on the the white persona and going into marcia fields because that whole episode it's is another walk back in time into Marshall Fields, all of the people wearing period dresses, the period settings, the period feel of department store uh, at that time. Like that episode could have been an, uh, could have been an episode of Mad Men for me. Like mm-hmm. t- 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 that's how good it was. Um, and as powerful as Ruby's story is in that episode, I think it is also just as powerfully told 
by the white face that she wears, you know, who has to embody kind of like, you know, do um, both jobs there. So I think that's another strong case for Emmy, Emmy consideration for as, as for the series, but certainly for set design and uh, costuming. And it's a little terrifying too. It's a little maddening because that scene where she's dancing and with the white women in the back, back of the, um, in, in the back of the, the, uh, the store and the white women are, uh, no not in the bar when they're, oh. they're dancing on their oh, break the room, yeah. and the white women are popping mm-hmm. popping all that good Tutti stuff fruity. on their lip yeah oh man yeah you want to you talk about wanting to jump up in the TV so yeah that was a that was a moment I also think that that, that episode was kind of scary like in the sense that like it was so gruesome mm-hmm. like how she changed and then the rape at the end with the shoes um, I think that was such a strange, um, and I think um, the woman who played Ruby was very interesting because her diction, when she was a white woman, and it made me laugh because when she was a white woman, her she spoke like a black person trying to speak like a white person mm-hmm. in, in the diction of that episode. So she was like, yes, I mean, if the person does their job well, and like, you know, white people really, they kind of talk like that, but they don't, but that's a black person trying to imitate how a white person talks. And I think it was the the lady, I guess the lady who did that or just the acting was very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I believe that, that actress, right? just to give her her props, I believe that actress, I'm gonna make sure I get it right, was in fact, uh, yes, Jamie Newman, who played. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, like, she was clearly acting like Ruby. But anyway, I thought that was a really very good episode too. So, uh, Angel Robinson asked a question. Um, looking back, do you think that episode six, what, which was Meet Me and uh, Deku, uh, was a waste of time due to all the things that were rushed in the end? I think they could have been in go- Korea half the episode, like Hippolyta's story was only half of episode seven. Eh. Well, if we got more episodes, then we could. It wouldn't have felt like that. Like it wouldn't have felt because I, I definitely, yeah. When I was watching it, because I watched it late, I watched them like back to back, um, because I had missed it. It, it, I was like, why? I was like, why am I? Why did I get all of that? And then I just get this little bit of like, because we talked about it on our episode that we really wanted more of Hippolyta's story. We wanted to spend more time with that, and a lot of those threads were like rushed in there. And if we had like even just one more episode that was the the filler, um, then maybe we could have gotten a whole Hippolyta episode. Um, so it would have been nice to just have more. And I think that's the opposite of a problem. <laughs> so we want more of the content, right? Uh, <laughs> any any final thoughts or anything else that we anything we miss a uh, uh, host that y'all want us to, to touch on? No, I, we hit uh, you know we hit all the points, all of my points, Gabe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I. Yeah, the we spoken all the things that I thought were super important, including just like wishing there was like a, a little d- tweak to the ending. Um, but it was I would say it's been a phenomenal ride. It, it was more than I ever expected and had imagined, and as I was very impressed. Press, there's a few hiccups, and um, um, as you saw, Misha Green did, uh, you know, speak up about. Uh, Mm-hmm. how she could have done justice um, yeah. to Yahima. To, yeah, 
to him, which was like one of the biggest issues that I had. <laughs> so I was like, whew. Um, and, you know, I think there, it, it makes up, you know, in that there's a lot of other stories that we're clearly giving our attention to that were beautiful. Um, and I think like we could do more. And I think that's awesome. I don't know if there's going to be a season two because there never really was. And I don't know where we would go from here. Um, but I, I think a you know a spinoff of, of of D with her shoggoth would yeah. be really cute, or Hippolyta on her adventures. Um, but it those can also just exist like in my brain or in like a comic, <laughs> like that we would definitely I'm sure buy. Uh, so yeah, I th- I'm I'm very grateful um, for this being created, and I think it'll have a really great and positive effect on horror uh, and the horror culture for the future like i'm really looking forward to what gets made because of um the success of it and to see like clearly people want to hear these stories and they do well like we can tell more and we can we can have more of those so let's give those opportunities (laughs) let's keep it going um just real quick because you you did reference it and i actually was going to bring it up that misha green did speak about um her failure with yahima's tale in the fourth episode a history of violence and she wrote uh, well, uh, as documented in an interview she did on Deadline, she wrote, um, as a person and a storyteller, I'm interested in growing. And part of that journey is accountability. Acknowledging my failure in the handling of Yahima's storyline is the first step in holding myself accountable. So, um, And that's all we can ask for, mm-hmm. really. It's just acknowledging it and then we can do better. Yeah, exactly. So, So all I can say is like, you know, that misstep notwithstanding, bravo, Misha Green. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was not, I did not watch Underground. I heard good things about Underground. Uh, but this definitely makes me want to go back and revisit Underground because she is a, a name to be reckoned with uh, in, in her field. She was, she put on a hell of a show. Well done. Mm-hmm. Well done. And and props to Jordan Peele for giving her the uh, license and the space to do it. So that's what's up. Um, before we get out of here, Elizabeth, Vincent, I hope you all had a good time because we had a good time with the two of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was super mm-hmm. fun. And I hope, you know, we get to do like... Um, but Gabe said, I hope we get to do more of these shows. I hope more of these shows get made. And I hope we get to do more podcasts. And, you know, I've brushed up on my skills. And, and thank you for listening. And I feel like I learned I feel like I learned a lot. Like, it was like, oh, I was having all this intelligent conversation of, like, a show that I really like to watch. And didn't really know who else to talk to about it. So it was, it was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. You can always holler at a triple. <laughs> yeah. And invite me back anytime. All right. All right. Open so if policy. You don't need the invitation. <laughs> we say open door policy. You don't need an invitation. No, next time I'm going to my own liquor. All right. <laughs> you already family, baby. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to get in touch with you, Elizabeth, uh, who is a phenomenal writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, how can they do so? And where can they read your writings? Uh, you could see me on inquirer.com. You can hit me up on E. Wellington at PHL. That's my Twitter. Um, you can, you can hit me up on Facebook, Elizabeth Wellington. I'm on Instagram, E. Wellington PHL. I'm very not hard to find. Um, yeah. And please feel free to reach out. Talk to me anytime. Okay. I'm always around. All right. Yeah, our, our fans like to chat. So I'm just like, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going to get some comments. Don't send me hate mail. That's fine. <laughs> 
and and Vincent, um, what what do you do? Well, I, I host a little podcast called the Michelle Mission <laughs> with this fella named Lynn. <laughs> We're reviewing all the black movies that have ever been made, just you and me. Just you and me. That's that's true, Vince. Even though we have special guests tomorrow night joining us. I, you you went out a little bit on me, Lynn. We have a special we have special guests joining us tomorrow night. We do, we do. Actors Omar Dorsey and Dorian Missick. Oh, nice. We're from um, Lovecraft oh, Country okay. to another black horror classic, Petey Wheatstraw, the Devil's Son-in-Law, starring Rudy Ray Moore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, 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 you throw, you're throwing around that classic a little loosely. There, you like that, right? You like that? I connected the two. <laughs> Yeah, so if you want to check it, check me and Vince out with uh, Omar Dorsey and Dorian Missick live tomorrow. Uh, hit us up on at Me Show Mission on Facebook on or on uh, YouTube, and uh, that's where you can check it out tomorrow at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ladies and gentlemen. Tuesday, October twentieth. If you're watching this on uh, not today, all right. Um, and Gabe, Gabela, yeah. I if I if memory serves me. You do a podcast as well, do you not? I do, yes. If you, like Elizabeth, also like to uh, dissect media and talk about what you're feeling and what it means and all of that, then you can check out The Ghouls Next Door. We are a media analysis podcast from a horror lens uh, where we explore spooky films, horror films, or films that make you uncomfortable and talk about the real world um, horrors that influence the cinematic ones. Um, next month, October, uh, November, we will be featuring fellow horror podcasts who are talking about the horror world but are also talking about the importance of representation um, and something like Lovecraft Country uh, is helping us see what the future could bring for that, that we could do it. It is there. It is awesome. We can have super awesome, powerful black women on screen and they could steal the show <laughs> more than anything else. Uh, and it's super exciting. So definitely check us out. Next month's going to be super fun. Um, and if, yeah, we're just like this, <laughs> dissect the media and ariel the the, the amal- amalgam trouble aka the uncanny trouble she is uh she's got a store, a store. yes yeah so uh <laughs> you know check us out uh support black business support small business um amalgamphilly.com uh to get your comic needs met uh if you like Lovecraft Country, uh, we can help you find something uh, else that you'll like along those lines. There you go. And if you like everything the Black Tribbles do, ladies and gentlemen, the Black Tribbles podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and every place that could podcast be. Uh, email us at blacktribbles.com. You can check us out at blacktribbles.com. You can email us at blacktribbles at gmail.com. And you can like, follow, and uh, tweet at us at blacktribbles on all the social medias. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. This has been fun. This has been fun. If there is a season two, I promise you, we're going to try and make it. We're going to try and be here, ladies and gentlemen. The Tribbles will be here. We will be back to bring you your safe 
Tribble travel guide to Lovecraft Country. And who knows, maybe along the way, we might find another series that we may want to review. We always do these things and always say we love it. We got to find another series. And then another series just comes upon us. We come up with like about nine or ten. But then we don't do them. And then we do it. <laughs> One just comes upon us. So uh, who knows? Who knows what we'll find out with? It may be Cheers. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, what a nightmare, right? Oh, you're a nightmare. Oh, you're so young. Anyway. <laughs> um, but until that fateful day, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Len. I'm the Bat Tribble for Vincent Williams, who is Jack Tribble, for Elizabeth Wellington, who is Third Eye Tribble, for the Master Tribble, the Hard Tribble, and the Uncanny Tribble. In parting, we say... May we all meet again on the ancestral plane. Oh, yeah. For that Black Panther and Lovecraft Country crossover in the yes. sky. All right. <laughs> We're out.